before we begin today's homily. Today marks the uh, today marks 11 years of the anniversary of Our Lady of Deliverance, uh, Syriac Catholic Church in Baghdad, in which uh, I believe around seven or, or, or uh, eight suicide bombers went into the church during Mass and detonated themselves, and 58 people lost their lives with Sabri Mass, including two priests, women, children, and the like. And so we, we take a few moments of silence to remember that anniversary. One thing that comes to mind, one of the early church fathers, one of the earliest uh, Christians of the church used to say, because the church underwent so many great persecutions, used to say that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. By our faith, by our witnessing of faith, right? By our witnessing of faith, we realize, hey, I'm willing to go to death. The limits of my faith, I'm willing to go to death for this person that I met. And that person is Jesus Christ. I'm willing to die for Jesus. That speaks volumes, right? Absolute volumes to the people around. That we're willing to even go to death for Jesus. There's the story of the... the uh, Maybe, you know, you might have heard this before. There's a story of the Egyptian cops. Twenty of them were kidnapped by ISIS maybe a few years ago. And each one of them was told to renounce their faith in Christ. Renounce their faith in Christ, believe in Islam, and we'll just kind of, you know, you'll be saved and we can let you go and everything will be fine. Each one of them were, was asked that question, do you renounce Christ? Each one of them said, no. He is my Lord, he is my Savior. And they killed each one as they went down. There was one man that they kidnapped an African man who was not even Christian. They kidnapped him by accident. And when he saw the faith of these people, and they asked him, do you renounce Jesus? He says, I'm not even a Christian, but their God is my God. And they killed him as well. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The more we're willing to show how much we're willing to die for our faith, the more in which we convert those around us, the more we change the heart of those around us. For a lot of us in the U.S., right, that means, we're, you know, we're not going to, how often are we going to see ISIS members in the U.S.? We're not. Rather, what it is, is a death to self each and every day, right? It's a martyrdom to yourself. It's saying to myself, hey, I'm going to deny these things in my life. I'm going to die to these things that I want to do so that I can live for Jesus. Sometimes that's a harder decision to make, to die to sin so that we can live in Jesus. Sorry, kind of a long tangent. But let's go into the homily today, right? The homily today, the gospel begins with Jesus. Kind of, he's, here he is, he's in the middle of a place called Caesarea Philippi, right? Middle of a place called Caesarea Philippi. There's not a lot of Jews around. It's a non-Jewish area. And so he finally has time to really teach his disciples who he is. And I think it's one of those stories where we can really place ourselves in the middle of the scene. We really place ourselves in the middle of the scene... And we're able to kind of really kind of sit with the disciples and really think about the question that Jesus is asking us. Jesus asks his disciples in today's gospel, he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And we can imagine the disciples kind of talk to each other, right? What have I heard? What have you heard? What are you going to answer? And you know, some of the disciples say, well, you know, Jesus, some people say you're John the Baptist. Don't forget, John the Baptist at this point, he's dead. He's been executed by Herod. He's been killed. And one of the things that Herod fears most is that John the Baptist comes back alive. 
A lot of people thought that's what it was. John the Baptist was such a great figure, they thought he'd come back to life. And some people were like, maybe Jesus is John the Baptist resurrected. And then some of the other disciples are like, no, maybe he's Elijah, maybe he's Jeremiah, maybe he's one of the prophets. And so we're placing ourselves in the scene. They don't quite understand. They don't really, it doesn't make a lot of sense as to who Jesus is to them at this moment. But the one who truly understands, Peter, he says, no, I know who you are. You are Christ. You are the chosen. You are the Son of God, the Son of the living God. Jesus today asks us, each one of us, this question. He stands in the midst of us. He stands in the middle of all of us. And he asks us this question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? We have to have some kind of historical context here, right? The town of Caesarea Philippi was this town a little bit north of Jerusalem, about 25 miles north. And this town was basically, it was a town dedicated to Caesar. King Herod, who was king of the Jews, he wanted to please Caesar because he was under his realm, right? He wanted favors from the emperor of Rome. And so he built a temple and he dedicated that temple to Caesar. And they worshipped another god. So here they are worshipping another god, right? And he built the city to the non-Jews. And everyone kind of flocks to it. And it's, it's Herod's way of saying to Caesar, you know, I want favor. I want things. I want things from you. I want money from Rome. I want support from Rome. He's willing to worship another god in order to get what he wants. And so as Jesus is asking this question, we have to imagine what's in the background. What's in the background of Jesus? What do you see behind Jesus? You see all these different things in this world, all these different gods of the world. It's a non-Jewish city, right? All these different things of the world that are competing in our lives along with Jesus. And it's here that Jesus asks this very fundamental question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In the midst of all the world, in the midst of the world and all these things that we have, who do you say that I am? Who is your God? Who is truly your God? Who are you following? Who is Jesus in your life? Or is there other gods in that place? Is it money? Is it our jobs? Is it designer things? Is it our cars? Is it your addictions to drugs, alcohol, lust, whatever it might be? Is it your lifestyle? Is it your phone? Fill in the blank. What is your God? Jesus today is asking you this question in the midst of all these things. All these things that are competing constantly for our attention. And Jesus kind of falls in the back, right? We don't pay much attention to him. He kind of falls in the back. We don't really pay attention. And so Jesus asks, asks us all again that same fundamental question, who do you say that I am? The answer that we give is key to everything in our faith. It's the very foundation of our faith. The very thing we live and breathe. This is Jesus now. This is the Jesus, the same Jesus that we hear about in the gospel each and every week. The same Jesus that we meet in our daily life. All of us, right? Peter answers, you are the Christ, the chosen one, the son of the living God. Are we ready to say this with Peter? Are we ready, along with Peter, to say the same thing? You are the Christ, the chosen one. Jesus, I want nothing more but you. All I want in my life is you. 
I don't want anything else to compete for my attention in life. I don't want to place anything else. I don't want any other gods in my life because I know there's only one God. I know there's only one way, truth, and life, and that is you. Are we ready to say that with Peter? Peter, I think, can be seen as having a little bit of each, person, each person's personality, each disciple's personality within him. Basically, I think he's every one of us, right? Shortly after Peter is the first one to profess his faith in Jesus, what happens shortly after? Literally, very, very shortly after, Jesus says, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day to be raised. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, you stumbling block. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. Just a moment ago, Peter was being praised for his faith in Jesus. He was being praised for understanding who it was that Jesus was in his life. And now Jesus is saying, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, you divider. Get behind me, you stumbling block, you obstacle. Very harsh words. You are not thinking as God does, but as people do. You are not thinking as God does, but as people do. Brothers and sisters, when we answer this call, when we answer this call to truly believe in Jesus, when we truly see that we are all the church, that Jesus himself places the foundation of the church on us, when we say, Lord, I believe in you, I want to follow you, there are going to be challenges. It's not easy to follow Jesus. It's not. We have to accept his teachings. We have to live according to the way that he provides us. We have to cast off any other gods in our life, any other, again, any other temptations to sin, any other inklings to sin, anything else that divides for our attention, anything else that competes for our attention. By accepting Jesus, we have a great responsibility to change the way we think, to change the way our hearts are. It's going to be difficult. It's not easy. We have to change our very heart in order that we can follow Jesus. But we have to search. Search in our hearts for what it is that's not allowing us to make the foundation of Jesus in our life. So even though Peter is the first to accept Jesus, he finds it difficult to accept the way of Jesus, right? And probably the other disciples as well. Probably the other disciples are like, hey, I, I, Lord, I don't know if I can follow this. I don't know, the Messiah at that point was supposed to be somebody who was supposed to be like a military general. Someone who was supposed to win freedom for the Jews away from the Romans. And like, Lord, I don't know if this is, you know, I don't know if this is, this is the way I want to follow. They all found it difficult. Peter was the only one, though, who spoke up. But it shows that Peter himself needed to change his heart, needed to change the way he thought, so that he could follow the way of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, there's many things in our life, right, if we're going to be part of the church, there's many things in our life that we have to change. There's a lot of things in our life that we have to look at and say, am I following this more than I'm following Jesus? Is Jesus truly the foundation of my life? There's many tools the church provides us with that we can use in order to make Jesus the center of our life. Are we using it? 
whether it's resources, whether it's you know, the catechism, whether it's a Bible, whatever it might be, X, Y, and Z, you fill in the blank. The church provides us with many tools. It's a shame to waste. Don't waste it. Here and now, Jesus is asking you that fundamental question. Who am I in your life? There's many opportunities. You know, we have a high school youth group for those in high school. We have a middle school youth group for those in middle school. Catechism, communion. We have Bible studies. English and Arabic. We have our upcoming fam nights, right? Our upcoming fam night where we're going to have a great guest speaker for families and teens to kind of figure out how do we put Christ at the center of our life. Don't waste these opportunities. Don't waste these opportunities the church is giving you. Right? There's a big sign. The church is here for your salvation so that you can't answer that question, who is Jesus in your life? How do we fit more of Jesus in our life? How do we make Him our foundation? It's there for you. Don't neglect it. The church is our mother. The church wants us to see nothing more than for us to make it to heaven. For us to follow Jesus. If she's offering us everything, don't walk away from it. Don't think it enough just to come to Sunday Mass, sit in church for an hour, then go. No. There's always more that we can do to build on our faith, to make sure that Jesus is always at the center. So take advantage of these situations. Take advantage of these events, these things that the church offers, these tools that the church offers us in order to make Jesus the center of our life. So that as Peter, we can say, you are the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the only God that I need. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen?